I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. (sighs) Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. Welcome to Bet the Edge on Tuesday, February 28th. Thanks to everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Coming up, it's a big day of college basketball. Drew and I will be joined shortly by Brian Hamilton of The Athletic to discuss multiple matchups tonight in college hoops. We'll also be talking about Iowa versus Indiana and NC State versus Duke. We'll also break down why the Big East tournament could mean a lot when it comes to future prices for teams in the conference. And we'll talk UCLA and Arizona as national title contenders. Drew, listen, we are at March Eve, everyone's favorite time of the year, March Madness. What are you looking forward to as the conference tournament underway? I mean, honestly, they kick off. Uh, they kicked off yesterday. Yeah. It was the smaller ones, but uh, this is a really cool couple of weeks here as we get to kind of sort out exactly where all these teams stand. And um, in a normal year, you have a lot of teams that have very clearly defined, you know, well-defined resumes. These are contenders. They take the conference tournaments a little bit lightly. That opens yep. the door for some teams who are desperately trying to punch their ticket. But this year, because the overall landscape is so flat, there's really I don't think anyone's safe. I don't think any. Anyone's taking their foot off the gas. I think, uh, you know, you absolutely need to try to put your chips on the table, win your conference tournament, get a good seed if you expect to have a chance in this tournament. Seeding is ultimately going to be a huge differentiating factor for a lot of these teams in the top 20 that have realistic expectations of winning this championship. So I'm expecting kind of a, a little bit more uh, intensity, a little bit more drama, uh, and uh, just honest effort from basically all the contenders as we get into conference tourney time. Uh, of course, the kind of things that matter most this time, uh, you, it always it seems impossible, but the market still somehow underprices you know, kind of where the tournament's being held in terms of what yep. the fan base turnout's going to be. The very uh, small kind of high energy environments where you get a lot of your fans and they really help elevate your, uh, you know, your spirits. It tends to matter you know, in these <laughs> conference tournament settings. Uh, and, you know, it's just maybe the intimacy of the college basketball, uh, you know, fan experience, you know, in such a small setting relative to some of the other pro sports we talk about maybe drives this, but um, you know, that's going to ultimately matter. So pay attention to that. Otherwise, uh, you know, I think a lot of these tournaments are wide open and, you know, we don't really know uh, who's going to emerge as the, the you know, the true, uh, you know, the true blue uh, expected uh, champions for the tournament this year. Yeah, it's all about getting hot at the right time. You want that momentum heading into the tournament. So let's start and let's bring in Brian Hamilton of The Athletic to talk about Iowa at Indiana. Iowa coming off one of the more impressive comebacks against Michigan State. I admittedly 
turned the game off as an Iowa second half better. I was disgusted. I was upset. I was sending all kind of hate messages to all my Iowa fans. But, man, they came back and they covered that bet for me. Brian, do you have any opening thoughts on this game? Line set at five and a half. Feels a little high for me for Indiana. Uh, what are you thinking about this? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a game played in the 40s. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how confident I am that Iowa has fixed itself from a basketball perspective. Like, that comeback was amazing, kind of like you. I mean, I had another game on. I had that game on because I wanted to watch the game that was after it. And then I sort of like got stuck in like everybody else. Um, but if you looked at it, like they had struggled shooting the ball the previous couple games, really struggled. They get hot at the end of that game, make the last five threes in regulation. The rest of that game, they weren't bad from distance, but they weren't great. So I don't know how much I buy that Iowa's offense is fixed, especially when you consider they're going into Indiana. They're they're not they're not going to be home. They're not going to get any home cooking. There's not going to be that familiarity with Carver Hawkeye Arena, that comfort. Um, so I, I think points will be scored. I, I don't think these teams are going to grind it out in any way. I just don't know that Iowa's offensive revival is real enough for me to be confident that it's enough for them to win in Bloomington. Yeah, that's totally fair. If Iowa gets it done, it's literally they're going to have to maximize every opportunity they have for second chance points. Indiana's real only kind of key weaknesses. Uh, they don't uh, they don't rebound the ball well defensively. They give up a little bit too many or you know offensive rebounds. So if Iowa uh, can kind of create second chances, I think they can hang in it. But Iowa's defense right now is not especially good. They are really conceding some uh, some easy shots. So Indiana may be able to run away with that one. Uh, it, you know, the Big Ten is a very, very, is a mystery box for me really to figure out. You know, the the space between any team, you know, any of these given teams is so narrow that I can't get involved laying five and a half. But uh, my numbers say it should be closer to six. So uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit of an edge there on Indiana. Um, the ACC is less of a black box. I feel like we have some absolute, uh, some emerging thoroughbreds who are going to surprise the tournament field at large because people have kind of written off the ACC this year. I mean, it had a, you know, a slow start. No one really looked like they were going to be uh, contending and, you know, maybe one or two teams are going to get in. Now we're up to, okay, actually, yeah, now, now we're going to get some contenders here. Duke's playing extremely well. Uh, UVA, of course, is going to be a tough matchup because of the, the style of basketball they play. Uh, but UVA takes on Clemson. Uh, tonight as six and a half point favorites at home and Clemson is coming off of a very impressive win playing with a little bit of confidence any uh, concern here that the Cavaliers may be looking past their opponent with this type of spread I don't think that they're looking past the opponent because they are probably scared to death of where their season is headed right now I mean UVA's offense the last few times out has just been abysmal I mean, the, you've seen them take a dive in the net rankings. I mean, there are other teams in the ACC who are terrified of where UVA is going right now because they're about to slide out of quad one. Mm. Like those, those quality wins, like a Pittsburgh has a hang your hat win against Virginia that might not look as good if this continues for the Cavaliers. So they're going to be desperate. They're, they're going to be doing everything they possibly can to get right. I just don't know that they can. The good news is that while Clemson has scored 90-plus in each of its last three wins, again, I don't know how real that is based on the level of competition. I know NC State's generally good, but they've been sliding. Otherwise, you're not looking at like the top of the heap that they've put that number up on. Virginia's going to defend. They're going to be at home. Um, I don't think Clemson's going to look quite that good, quite that efficient 
when you look at where they've been over the course of the season tonight in Charlottesville. But again, you have to sort of decide, is UVA really this bad on offense? Is it, is it just a slump or is it something that's correctable here to, to go on for the rest of the season? I, I still think that they'll have enough to beat Clemson at home, but if they can't put points on the board, Clemson can Maybe not in the 90s, but Clemson can score the ball. And if UVA doesn't get right offensively, you know, all bets are off. No pun intended. <laughs> well, you, you kind of touched on the total here. And for me, we see that Clemson has – they've gone over, what, five straight games. But six, I'm kind yeah. of one of – six, right? Yeah, I'm one of those guys who sees UVA play, and I'm, I'm betting the under. I, I'm trying to find live spots where I can bet the under here. Total set at 129.5. Do we think that Clemson's going to score enough on UVA to, to push this total over? Or is this one where you're just going to kind of stay away from the total? Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say. I would probably – I would think Clemson could get into the 60s. Like, I, I don't. I think the way they've been playing right now, you, you can't – if you've been this successful offensively to the level they have been, I don't think it can be that much of a drop-off. I don't think it can be night and day, bottom falls out for them offensively. I think they obviously have a rhythm. They figured some things out. The real question is where, where UVA is at. Like, you know, is, is that enough – do they have enough comfort at home – to play a game and win a game, can they get to 70? Can they can they play a game in the 60s or 70s and win? I, I don't know that right now because they've just not looked good lately. Oof, okay. Interesting. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'll probably just stay away from that total here. Let's talk about NC State at Duke. Duke six and a half point favorite. It's kind of interesting to see Duke here projected as an eight seed. When's the last time we have said that? What are your initial thoughts on this game? I think Duke for me is one of those teams that could make a deep run from the ACC in the NCAA tournament. I only say that because they start with a really old, experienced, good guard with Jeremy Roach. I mean, if you have that as your anchor in the postseason, that's a really good place to start. You want to have old guards who have been through it and who are pretty good on top of that. I don't know that the rest of the guys have hit their ceiling. I mean, you look at Derek Whitehead's three-point shooting coming around lately, um, like our Brendan Marks uh, wrote about yesterday. Filipowski's been great all year. Um, does lively suddenly turn into more than just like the athlete finisher, defense first guy? There's so much. There's so much that Duke can be from here on out that I would not be surprised if those guys kind of get it all together now that they're healthy, now that they're kind of finding their rhythm again and make a push. NC State, to me, is just – it's kind of going the other way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have just yeah. been struggling lately. Um, they just got blown apart by Clemson. So, um, to me, I, I favor Duke in general to make a run towards the end here. Now, I could be wrong, obviously. They could just completely – the bottom could fall out. But there's too, there, there's too high a ceiling there with their guys, and there's too good an anchor in Jeremy Roach for me to write them off and to think that you know they're AC. If they're an A seed, I would be scared to death if I was a winner. <laughs> you know, because if I, I saw Duke as an eight seed and I see them coming in the second round, I would be terrified. Give give us Purdue. We want Purdue the one seed in this to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch Duke emerge because they were so underwhelming for so much of the yeah. balance of the season. Uh, that uh, overtime loss at Virginia earlier in February really seems to have galvanized this unit. And you look at their statistical profile for the month of February, and you would think that, oh yeah, they're finally figuring out offensively. No, they've been playing pretty elite defensively uh, yeah. for most of the balance of this month, especially protecting the rim. Uh, they're not getting the 
know, sending teams to the free throw line for easy buckets, really. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think if you can continue to, you know, continue to find your offense as you can, you know, play this elite level of defense, Duke is absolutely in the mix to win the ACC tournament and, you know, maybe make a deep run uh, as a, uh, as a underseeded team. Um, but uh, for this game in particular, I agree with you on North Carolina state going the other direction. Um, not exactly how you sure how you fix that. Uh, if this team is playing as a middling team across all of college basketball, not even just the ACC right now uh, after some bright spots earlier this season. So uh, this is a little bit of a short line considering how well Duke has played lately. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to lean, uh, lean Duke in this one. The, um, uh, the rest of the picture of the ACC though, I mean, is there anyone that we should keep an eye on uh, looking forward at this tournament that you think could surprise? I mean, you, I, I consistently underrate Miami uh, and then they come out and do just tremendous things against elite competition time and time again. Uh, is that a team that you think uh, warrants sort of top seed status in, uh, in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Miami in the lead eight last year. So um, <laughs> I mean, they, 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 yeah. they've done it, right? I mean, they've got guys on that team who have been in that position before. And then they add Nigel Pack, who's been one of the best transfers in the country. I obviously think the defense optional portion of Miami's plan is not real solid when it comes to advancing through a tournament. But I've sort of over the years come to think your ability to put the ball in the basket, your ability to score um, and ability to have guys who can get their own bucket late in games is actually more crucial to advancing in an NCAA tournament than playing lockdown, suffocating defense. So Miami has going for it the things you'd like to have going for it going into the NCAA tournament. They got experience. They've been there with a deep one. They just haven't, like, you know, come in, played one and done, two and done. They've been there when it mattered. Um, and they can score the ball and they score a lot and they can score on anybody. Can they get the stops? I don't know how much that matters, but you're also talking about working on the margins defensively. If you're that good offensively, maybe it only takes one or two stops, two or three stops, and all of a sudden you're looking at a sweet 16 or an elite eight. So they've got some potential just because they can put up points, and I think that is that is more and more crucial we're seeing in the NCAA tournament in the postseason as we go on here. All right, well, let's move over to the SEC. We have Arkansas taking on Tennessee. Tennessee is six-and-a-half-point favorite. Total set at 133-and-a-half. Listen, both teams, to me, have been kind of underwhelming in their stretch to close out the season, but the Vols are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They do have that massive win over South Carolina, and I'm only calling it massive because of the box score. We know South Carolina is not any good. Uh, Where do you see this game going? I am so intrigued by Arkansas right now because I think – by the end of this season, they could be actually much better than what their record says. And it's because Nick Smith. I mean, if he's coming around and playing at an All-American level, which a lot of people, myself included, thought he could coming in as a freshman, if he's playing at a level where he's dropping 22, 25, 28 points a game fairly regularly, that just changes them. And their home stretch is so tough. I mean, you are on the road at Alabama. You're playing Tennessee. You've got Kentucky who's coming up. Even in a close loss like the other night at Alabama, I think Arkansas could look really, really good. I'm interested to see how they look almost result agnostic because they could be actually playing a ton better than what their record says going into the postseason. I mean, you got Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky to close the year. You might not look good record-wise. It's just these are really good teams. 
So it, it's really intriguing for me. To, this could almost be like a prove-it game for Arkansas. Like, even if you come up short, how good do you look again against one of the best teams in the country? I'll be honest with you. I rate Arkansas better than Tennessee under neutral right yeah. now. Okay. Uh, this big of a number surprises me. Shocks me. Uh, I almost was like, oh, I guess somebody from Arkansas is missing an item I hadn't heard. <laughs> like I was literally like, there's some, there's a bust in this line. Um, I'm going to have to do a double take, but across all the college games on the board tonight, this is the one that stands out the clearest. I think this should be closer to a three, uh, maybe even a two and a half, depending on how you feel about Tennessee's home court advantage. So uh, Arkansas is going to be in my pocket, at least on the spread, perhaps on the money line, but I got to dig into that one a little more, make sure I'm not missing something about player availability. Um, the last game of interest that I'd like your take on for tonight's slate uh, features the white hot San Diego State Aztecs. Um, I do, you know, you, you, if you put, uh, you know, blind resumes of teams in the month of, um, you know, the last month of the, of the college basketball season, and, uh, you can stack up San Diego state's performance against virtually anyone, Houston, Alabama, uh, they are measuring up with the elite teams that are playing basketball right now. Uh, and yet they go on the road against Boise state as two point dogs total is sitting at one thirty four. Is there something about this matchup that would lead the market to believe Boise state can get a win? Uh, against the mighty Aztecs desperation maybe um I, I think you know Boise State probably maybe is safely in the field as it is I think the resume is good enough um the league is good enough but this is a huge game I mean this is the, this is a game that if you get this if you can get Utah State at the end of the week now you're really locked in now you now you're you have no doubt about what's going to happen on selection Sunday, and that's a big deal when you're a mid major like Boise State. So, if anything, I think it's maybe just the fact that they know they can really lock down their future. That said, like, look, they lost by twenty to San Diego State last time. Marcus Shaver didn't play. You're on the road. Okay, I get it. You can get blown out that way when your primary ball handler's not there for you in a hostile environment. But San Diego State's best players didn't play that good either, and they still won by twenty. So I'm not real sure that I believe – I don't know how good Boise State is relative to San Diego State. It might just be that San Diego State is a vastly superior team overall and desperation home court is just not going to matter that much. Oh, that's an interesting take. So the Mountain West was kind of the buzz of a lot of the analytical handicappers heading into last year's tournament. Like people were like, man, they've got five or six teams here that all could make noise. And then they all kind of flamed out, um, didn't really materialize. And so the Mountain West is being slept on a little bit this year because people are like, can't not, not going to fool me twice. Um, is that a mistake? Do you think the Mountain West is actually kind of primed for a, a little bit of a surprise upside with some of the tournaments that make some of the teams that may get into the tourney this year? I mean, it's going to be matchups, right? I mean, like, for instance, Utah State. I mean, they are one of the better three-point shooting yeah. teams in the country. If you've got – if you're a bad three-point shooting defense, you're going to be susceptible to losing to Utah State. Now, you might be vastly superior talent-wise, but just the way some of these teams play, it's all going to depend on matchup. I I'm with you. I was at the Mountain West tournament last year. I, uh, you know, you're yeah. kind of there thinking, hey, maybe this is going to be a breakthrough, right? There are all these cool yeah. teams. They all, they all play at a really high level, and then just pff, nothing in the NCAA tournament. So um, it's, it's all matchups. You know, like I said, if you go, if you go against a team that if you can't defend the three, well, and Utah State's on the other end of the floor, you might be in trouble. But if you defend the three really well, then you might not be in trouble at all because your talent is going to be superior. Okay. Duly noted. Well, before we get into talking about the ACC and Big East from a big picture perspective, I want to read this promo for you guys. Spring training is upon us. And that means one thing. 
It's draft season. Get the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide today and get all player profiles, rankings, and projections you're going to need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com backslash draft guide to get your draft guide now. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Okay, guys, listen. So right now, there are only five teams projected from the ACC in the tournament. Brian, do you have a team that can make a deep run? I mean, we talked about Duke and Miami beforehand. Um, I'm struggling to find anyone (laughs) beyond that. The only thing, and and this may be recency bias because I was just there, Pitt is intriguing. And Mm. it's intriguing because they are extremely old and extremely, (laughs) extremely, extremely connected um, extremely interchangeable, and they have a big that moves around a lot. Okay. They are unfortunately to me like way too dependent on the three pointer, and I know that's by design. Like Jeff Cable wanted to get more shooting on the floor this year, that's why they got who they got out of the portal. You think mm-hmm. balls, the sure, you know, being better as a perimeter shooting team, and they were awful last year. Mm-hmm. If being better at that is the surest way to win, it also kind of puts you at the mercy of maybe you're just not shooting the ball well that night. And I don't know how well they defend. I don't know how high a level Pitt can defend at. But because they're old and because they're desperate, because most of these guys are basically it's the last run for all of them. This is it for base for like four or five players in their core. That may put them in a position where they're a little bit more battle tested than who else is on the floor. And they're a little tougher than who else is on the floor. If the threes start falling, watch out. If the threes aren't falling, I'm not really sure they're going to be able to defend well enough to make a deep, deep run. But, you know, I would be basically trying to, like, justify to myself who else besides Duke or Miami is really, truly capable of making a deep run. It's just that Pitt's components are a little intriguing if everything falls the right way. What kind of uh, seed would you expect for them? 
right now, not good. Shocking. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, eight, nine, 10, depending on, what, <laughs> okay. depending on what's going on. I mean, it's, it's, it, Pitt's, it, it's tough. I, I mean, I looked at, I, I'm writing about them. So I looked at their resume. Look, they've got four quad one wins, which is a solid, but not, you know, decisive total, but it's also more than 19 teams ahead of them in the net have. Um, they've got the one quad one loss, which I'm guessing is what's dragging the whole thing down uh, quad four loss. Excuse me. I'm that that's, what's sort of dragging things down. I think there's sub 500 against quad two. It's, 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 it's a weird thing where the performance and the achievement doesn't match the math with Pitt, And I am still not sure which one I believe <laughs> based on, <laughs> based on that. So, but I think that's where the committee's at too. And that's where okay. I see him at an, you know, depending on how the ACC tournament goes, like right now, eight, nine, ten is probably okay. is probably the, you know that window of where they are right now. Okay. Well, I think they 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 tend to like the narratives of you know a team that's that's you know a little older, a little more experienced. Right. Uh, you know, the tournament tournament committee may give them uh, a nice path or at least a nice first round opponent to get a little bit of momentum going. So I'll have to keep an eye on that. But uh, the are they the uh, fourth or fifth? ACC team in? Are we going to get? Uh, are we going to see North Carolina Tar Heels make it into the dance this year? I, uh, you know, I just have no faith in them. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, it's a team that just looks like it hates playing with each other most yeah. or has for most of the year. I mean, I know they picked up a little bit of momentum here lately. Um, again, I don't know how much I would really put into beating Florida State at this point, but. Um, they just don't have that cohesiveness and connection. And frankly, I've said this before, you look at the body of work, this is kind of who they are over four mm-hmm. years, the core of this players. Yeah, they had the big March run last year, but that two and a half months might be more of the outlier. They may be more of the exception than the rule. And the rule is they're kind of just an okay team. They're just, <laughs> they're just you know, with a, with a lot of flaws. Um, so I don't have a ton of faith that they are going to be able to put the run together. The problem is they are capable of it because they have the players who've done it and who can get hot and and who can get big wins. So it's, I I really would like to write them off because I am just not impressed by what I've seen overall. I know there's a lot of internal stuff going on with that team or has been over the course of the year that's dragging them down. Um, So it's hard for me to put belief in them, but I can't write them off because what they've done just because of what they could possibly do if everything finally gets together yeah. my key takeaway is north carolina got lucky last year got it yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah well they just got good <laughs> they got really good they got really good at the right time and but beyond that they've just kind of this core has just been okay just yeah the, the yeah. beating coach k in his home finale that was sort of the that was the galvanizing factor for yeah. that group apparently Let's move over to the Big East. Uh, a lot of parity in this conference. Are, are you excited and expecting this to be a closely contested tournament? And do you have a favorite to win the Big East? Yeah, I'll be there. Um, so I'm definitely excited mm-hmm. to, to watch it up close. Um, I still think that Marquette's offense is so good and, and, and they do what they do so well that I would have them as the favorite um, to win the tournament. They've sort of, to me, just been the most consistent team for most of the year. I mean, they've played at an ex- a very high level and they really haven't had the dip. They really haven't had that moment where you're suddenly like, what is going on with this team uh, that maybe a Xavier's had that UConn definitely had before. So just Marquette's consistency night tonight. I know they're not the best defensive team, but man, they are just so connected. Uh, Tyler Kolick running that offense. Oso Iguodaro might be one of the more valuable players that no one really thinks about just because there aren't too many of them out there who can just sort of run an offense at six, nine, but also be a guy who's scoring and finishing at the basket 
on the other end is some feeds from Kolick. So to me, they're the favorite. I, I would still put I would still put Marquette at the top of my list as, as teams that are going to win just because of the consistency they've shown all year. Okay, so this is a tough question. The I haven't put a flag in Connecticut or anything. Like I'm not uh, out here riding for the Huskies, but it is undeniable that they have a ceiling that makes the likelihood of them winning the national championship higher than, you know, other teams that are kind of rated in that same ballpark, as far as I can tell you. Like, what needs to happen for Connecticut to put together winning basketball for the month uh, that's going to that it's gonna take for, uh, you know, six tournament wins? Probably just outside shoot. I mean, like, look, I think okay. inside Sonogo, Klingon, like, they're going to be problems if, on a nightly basis just because of who they are, what they do. I think you can expect a fairly consistent level, even if, Sonogo's in foul trouble. You still bring in a seven foot four or eight foot nine, whatever Klingon is, freshman who's produced, who's actually had like really productive nights uh, in the Big East season. It's not a guy who looks like he's overwhelmed and just comes in and it's three fouls in a minute and he's back on the bench and, you, and you're in trouble. So there's not really, there's a fail safe there for when you're like sort of national player of the year, all American big man might get foul trouble, might have a bad night. So around that, you just need to find perimeter shooting. I mean, if you're hitting, if, if you have to make a team decide night after night after night what they're going to give up because mm-hmm. you're, you're going to give up something, um, that's a really good spot to be in, uh, especially like we talked about before. Offensive efficiency in the postseason, ability to put the ball in the basket, probably what you want to be excelling at this time of year. If you're going to know, if you know what you're going to get from Adama Sonogo, Donovan Klingon, and you can add to that, threats from the perimeter that really stretch a defense out, then yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a team with elite eight final four potential. Yeah. Cause like, I, I agree with your take, like Marquette, you want as sort of the more, you know, you you know what you're going to get you, more consistency, less likelihood of a, you know, a letdown or an upset, uh, which may be in a big East tournament setting that makes more sense. But I feel like if you're going to, you know, if you're going to ride a team to win the title, you put those two side by side. It's clearly Connecticut because the upside is there for them. Right. Um, and look, in Madison Square Garden, that's <laughs> going to be a highly pro Connecticut crowd. That's yeah, a I good point. Before, and there are going to be a lot of very, very lubricated Connecticut fans in yep. the building. And that's going to give the Huskies a little bit of energy, too. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah. It feels like Huskies, if they can cut down on some of the turnovers, if they can stop sending teams to the free throw line, like play a little bit of focused basketball, they look like a team to beat, honestly. Uh, and I don't know. It, it depends where they land in the in the, uh, uh, in the seating, but I feel like whatever bracket gets them as whatever, three, four seed, depending on when they win the Big East, uh, that's going to be kind of the the region of death <laughs> if I could if I could kind of uh, look into the future there but uh, no Big East is going to be fun that's cool that you get to go to Madison Square Garden you've been there before I'm sure right I've been there many times I was there yeah. for six, six overtimes and oh, jumping that. on the table yeah I was that ah. I've been there for some all-timers in Madison Square Garden this tournament it's one of the best that's awesome all right guys well I want to invite you guys to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long stay ahead of the competition by following your favorite players on your roster get the latest injury updates player news and much more delivered right to your phone it's available in the app store today the premier league is built on hope the hope of discovering a new star it doesn't take long but darwin Nunez to make an impression the hope of rewriting history and the hope 
of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, guys, let's talk about UCLA and Arizona. I actually said this yesterday. I think UCLA is going to be one of the teams that I bet before the tournament starts to win the whole thing. Uh, do you actually believe in that take or, or am I just kind of talking to the victim of the moment? No, I don't think you are. I mean, I, I was talking to Brad Underwood for a story way back in December and they had just beaten UCLA a couple weeks earlier in Las Vegas. And he said to me, I think UCLA is the best team in the country. Okay. And, 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 and I, that is always stuck in my head. And, and I, and I did a story on them. I, I've watched them play. That team is sort of tilts me towards more against the offensive argument. Like they play such good defense (laughs) that they are so frustrating every night and they're going to be in every game every night. But they do have that offensive talent, right? I mean, like Jaime Jaquez, like I kind of took a flyer and picked him as national preseason player of the year just to be different than everybody else at the athletic who was picking it. But he's still an All American. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still a guy that is going to take really good shots. He's not, he's not a guy who's, I mean, if you're working from the post, if you're working from the mid range where he's really good, okay. Efficiency wise, maybe that's that maybe that's not what every coach wants, but for him, it's really good. And it's a lot more reliable maybe than the guy who could go cold shooting threes all night. So they might have such a good defense that it overwhelms my, you better be good at offense argument, but they're still pretty good at offense and they have players who can get, who can get buckets. I mean, like, Amari Bailey, like if that guy catches fire, if that guy gets on a heater, like watch out because he is an incredibly athletic, bouncy offensive talent. They they can they can survive a Dembona getting into foul trouble because they have depth behind him. So their ability to be in every game, no matter what, is really really intriguing to me because they have enough offense to get by in those close games. Yeah. No, that's that's completely fair. And honestly, uh, among sort of the elite teams, they have one of the best, you know, just general uh, kind of fingerprints. Uh, it's a team that creates turnovers defensively, not just gets stops, which means if you're facing some team that is white hot from three and you're all of a sudden down, uh, you know, nine, ten points as you get it into the second half, like you need to be able to create turnovers to close those gaps. Like there's just not enough time otherwise. So um, that is uh, kind of definitely given me a little bit of faith to get involved with UCLA and from a futures perspective, obviously. I tend to wait till we see the bracket though, just because 
there's always imbalance between regions, which creates oh, yeah. more futures value. So um, that's uh, that's that's my general opinion. Uh, anyone else in the Pac-12 uh, you think that makes the field that could make some noise? Uh, anyone really stand out to you in the Pac-12 outside of UCLA? Yeah, I mean, it's Arizona. I would not put a whole lot of faith in USC or Arizona State, even if it, they may not even make the field for one thing. And I'm not real sure that I see a lot from either team, you know, that says to me, this is, this is built to make a deep tournament run. Like USC has a couple old core players, again, always good, but there's a lot of youth around there too. A lot, a lot of youth taking up a lot of minutes for Andy Enfield. And I always worry about that in the NCAA tournament <laughs> compounded by the fact that they've just been kind of okay all year in a pretty non nondescript conference. Um, but so, yeah, the only other team that you really would look at as a contender is Arizona. And honestly, when they're going well, they are really hard to beat because there have been stretches where they have played very high-level defense to complement the pace, the tempo, the efficiency, the balance on offense. They just haven't done that at a high, high level super consistently lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get on a streak, you, you get into the tournament, and you lock in, that is another team that can make a deep run. I'd still probably – think put UCLA at the top of my list of Pac-12 national title contenders but like an idealized version of Arizona this year is right there too okay awesome Brian can you let everyone know where to find your content and what you're working on right now sure just head over to theathletic.com backslash college basketball that's where you get all of our stuff every day Uh, I got a story on the aforementioned Pitt Panthers coming out tomorrow and a couple things down the pike about Marquette and Houston. So be on the lookout for that as we hit pre-March right here, March 1st tomorrow. Let the madness begin. Thank you for joining us, Brian. I hope you have a great day and cash a lot of tickets for this uh, March madness coming up. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Drew, that was fun, man. Uh, After the conversation, (laughs) do you have yourself run into the window on any, uh, any of these tickets? Uh, Boy, I'm going to look at UConn Big East prices, uh, shop around a little bit. Just again, like I can't shake the fact that through the first uh, couple months of the season, UConn basically told you we're the best team in college basketball. Yeah, they, exactly. you know, they 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 swoon through the middle, which you know it's it's Big East schedule is going to grind you up. Uh, um, but they are starting to play a lot better of late, and uh, you know that's a team that looks like. You're going to get some value because the seed's going to be in the four range, yeah. you know, and people, you know, they're going to be, you know, lined up against, you know, prop, maybe, maybe they put them in Kansas's region, right? It kind of feels like that's what the committee's going to do with Kansas as the kind of hot uh, defending champion. They put Kansas as the one in the Midwest and they slide Connecticut in there as the four or something like that. That, that feels like, uh, you know, what the committee would do. Um, and uh, in those in that setting, uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take my chances with the high ceiling Connecticut team. Yeah, uh, UConn definitely looked like the best team to start the season. I know I was catching a lot of tickets on them, but listen, Drew, this was fun, uh, guys. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you out with your wagers. Thanks to for those of you guys who are watching us on the NBC Sports YouTube channel, and if you're listening in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Take care.